start talking about our need to filter what we're taking in, what I want you to realize is that there are strongholds that are set up in our mind as ideas and the way that those are delivered and made appealing to us is through the use of images. This is Nita Erlene, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries podcast. Today is part five in our series dealing with desire. What we think about things shapes our overarching belief system and how we live. The ideas we hold to that become the fabric of what we believe and act on are often internalized without us even assessing them carefully. Today, Tori Bjorklund, president of TRC Ministries, continues his teaching on dealing with desire, taking a look at what ideas are and how images play a role in delivering ideas to us. Let's start out with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is one of several passages in the New Testament that talks about our mind, well, in the Old Testament as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3, says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. What does he mean by walk in the flesh? Okay, we live our lives through our bodies. We're physically acting in a physical world. We don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now, he doesn't say what those fortresses are yet. So if you're going to succeed in battle, it is often very strategic, very beneficial to be able to destroy the fortification of the enemy. So remember the fortresses here that he's talking about are those that are built by the enemy in our war, in our battle. So in verse 5, he then expounds on what he means by this. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So I would submit to you that that is the fortress. Those are the fortresses that the weapons of our warfare are designed to destroy. Okay, so what is the fortress? Everything that is raised up, everything that is, the word lofty there, it's been translated in the New American Stand from, that something that is raised up. For example, I happen to like hockey, as you guys know, and you go into some of these hockey arenas, and what do you see in the rafters? Anybody know? You see retired jerseys. You see a number with a name on it, and they will not use that number again for the, and on the team. So you go to, to Detroit, you'll see Gordie Howe up there, and these, these are things that are raised up and become iconic. And that's what I want to talk about, is the things that have become iconic that are really oftentimes even unknown to us that are actually fortresses of the enemy of our soul that affect every thought that we have, potentially, that color 
our interpretation of our life and impact our desires. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about today. So I want to start out with a little bit of, this is where we ended, I think, last time on this, on this slide. Um, desires are strongly influenced by our thoughts. And I want to dig in today a little bit more specifically what I mean by that. But at the very minimum, they color our thoughts. So you've heard of people, somebody saying they wear rose-colored glasses. What does that mean? To wear ro what does somebody mean when they say somebody is wearing rose-colored glasses? They're foolishly optimistic. What that means is they see everything through a, a lens that does not present things they actually are. That's really what we're talking about there, right? In this particular instance, it's rose-colored, meaning they have this optimistic outlook that does not square with reality. So at a minimum, our thoughts color our desires. And so what I mean by color our desires, I asked Dave a while back if he had any desire to eat raw iguana. And not at this point you don't, but it doesn't even appeal to you, but there was a time when it did, um, just simply because you were hungry enough. Another example, when you came back recently from your trip to Mexico, you had such a bad experience, not due to anybody down there, but just you were sick, and that your association with the food there made it such that, I mean, just because you were sick and miserable, that you just didn't even have any desire to eat food that at one time had been appealing to you. And these kinds of things are colorations. It isn't that you don't have desire for food, it's which food becomes colored by our thought. Slide here that, that talks about the things that influence our desires and, and thoughts and experiences are some of those things. And some of those experiences, though, are also colored by or interpreted by our thoughts. So I want to just dig into that a little bit more. Often, desires are directly produced by our thoughts or possibly removed by different thoughts, beliefs, and these come down to an overarching term I'm going to call our value system. And that's really what I want to break apart. So. Value system, the reason I want to use the term system is because it's really a basic orientation that we utilize for approaching everything. It's a thought system. It's a way of seeing virtually everything. And it's tied together, although we've talked about how sometimes we're, we're conflicted in our, in our desires, right? And so our desires often will enroll our mind in justifying this conflict. And so sometimes our thoughts seem pretty scattered. But we do have a general orientation or system of seeing the world, and that is really our value system. So I want to break down this world of thought for a minute into four areas. And I think this is just, to me, this was a real aha moment when I came across this. This was presented in... Um, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard, and he broke this out, and I'd never heard this before, and it was just a real aha moment for me. There's ideas, there is images, there is information, and there is reason. Now, he just used the word thinking, and I wanted to come up with so it wasn't redundant. We'll talk about each one of these. I'll start with ideas. 
ideas are really a category of thought. This is, this is really, to me, the crux of what we need to get to in order to understand how to deal with desire. Okay? So this is important stuff here. Ideas are a category of thoughts that govern and sometimes control our perceptions or interpretation of everything we experience. So that's my statement on that. As a result, they are a primary factor for our decisions and therefore the foundation of our character. So ideas are so fundamental that they really become the foundation of our character. That's what I mean by a value system. There are certain ideas that we have that are our value system and they influence everything that we experience and they form our character, the way that we actually behave. So, what are ideas? Ideas are an abstract concept about some reality in life. They're abstract. So, I'll give you some examples of ideas, we'll talk about them, and we'll get into it in a lot more. One of the things I want to say, though, about ideas is that we often get ideas by osmosis. Do you know what osmosis is? It just sort of seeps in through the pores rather than taught to us. We don't realize that we are adopting an abstract concept about something. So let's take, for example, good. Concept of good and the way that we understand what is good and what is not good, that is an idea. Good is an idea. Education is an idea. Freedom is an idea. These are ideas that we have. And we'll do a little exercise, kind of a word association, and we'll see about some of these ideas and what we think. And then, and then we'll maybe see if we know of others that maybe have a different concept of that same word, a different idea of that same word. Ideas are the abstract concept of what we understand to be reality. So we believe there is good. We believe there is a thing called freedom. What we believe about that is an idea. Okay? Beauty. That's another idea. That there is beauty. And what is beauty? The value of beauty or lack thereof. These are ideas about beauty. Okay? So that's what is an idea. They are shared with us as part of our social context. That's how our social context will often influence our desires. One of the reasons that they're so powerful is because we often are not aware of the ideas that we actually hold. They are really the assumptions that we act with. So the realm of ideas is where God wants to operate in order to transform our character. This is what it talks about when he says, when Paul says, Though our weapons are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of ideas. You could put that word right there. Just to emphasize this, this point of the important nature of ideas in our life, think about what Jesus taught. In almost every single instance, even when he was doing something like healing, I mean, where it was very concrete and very personal, when he was speaking, he was addressing an idea, a way of seeing reality in that culture, in that society. When he said, blessed are the poor, or blessed are the poor in spirit, depending on whether you're talking about Luke or, or Matthew, 
he was confronting an idea. When he touched a leper, he was confronting an idea. When he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, he was confronting an idea. You remember the rich young ruler came up to him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What was his first response? Why do you call me good? Why would he say something like that? He was addressing an idea. You read through the Gospels and see. If Jesus was not in every single case, it seems, I mean, you know, you probably could find a few exceptions, but very few exceptions, that he was not addressing an idea. He was putting forward an entirely different way of thinking. Ideas are powerful, and they are the realm in which the Spirit of God and the truth of God operate on us. And these are the fortresses that have to be torn down. When I was young, man, I wanted to be shot. I think I, I might have actually, if I had the opportunity of somebody that I thought would actually do it, I might have had him shoot me in the leg. Well, I had an idea of tough. I wanted to be tough, okay? Now, I was a young child who had this concept of toughness. And how did I measure tough? Now, in my day, we didn't have gangster rap or we didn't have people displaying tough. In it. There was basically one way that I saw tough. And then John Wayne grabs his bandana off his neck and he wraps it around his leg and he continues on doing whatever it was he was doing with no apparent side effect after having been shot in the leg. And this happened over and over. The Lone Ranger. I wanted to be tough. And the only way I could see if I was tough or not was to see if I get shot in the leg, can I keep going? What's the idea that I'm dealing with here though? Well, we're going to talk about images here in just a second. I was dealing with an image, but I was also dealing with this idea of being tough. Actually, I was dealing with an idea of being a man, wasn't I? I was dealing with an idea of being a man. And it interpreted, colored my interpretation of what manhood was. And I wanted more than anything else to be a man. And my interpretation, my coloration was this idea of toughness. So here's a few ideas. Let me give, them, let me give you here. Okay, so religion is an idea. It's abstract. And by the way, with ideas, it's very, very difficult to nail them down with a, with a concrete definition. We know what we mean when we say that. And we can kind of beat around the bush and give somebody else a, you know, the concept. However... They have their own idea, and they're hearing the words we're saying colored by their idea of religion. Christian, that's an idea. Education, I mentioned, is an idea. Success, this is an idea. Now, I'm going to just keep going through the list here for a minute, and let's do, a little, let's do just a little bit of word association for a minute, just to kind of indicate I want any brave person to, if you, when you see a word, give a synonym for it or, or a, a short, you know, two or three word phrase that you think of when you see that word, okay? And then we'll see if everybody else goes, yep, that's it. That's, you got my idea, okay? 
So here we go. How about rights? Huh? Bill of rights. Entitlements. Entitlements. Okay. Women's rights. Women's rights. Okay. Freedom. Unencumbered. Unencumbered. America. America. But imagine yourself somewhere, say, in Afghanistan or more yet in uh, the area of uh, northern Iraq and Syria where ISIS is operating. This concept might have a completely different meaning to you than it does to, at, in that case than it does to us here in our country. All right, how about this? This is an interesting word to me, world. Earth, globe, map, okay. Did anybody think about like where the Apostle John talked about the world, the flesh, and the devil? Or the things of the world? Do not love the world nor the things of the world? So you can see how this idea can really be, especially just the use of a word, could mean, no pun intended, worlds apart. All right, so, so these are ideas. Now, some of them, like if you, depending on how you take like world or flesh, they could also be images or something concrete, right? I mean, what came to your mind was a concrete concept, and those will be images, and we'll talk about that next. Um, but in some ways, from our evangelical background, we're taking on these ideas of world and flesh in ways that just influence the way we even see the word in a way that other people don't see it with the same contextual social context that we take it. All right, let's talk about images for a second. So images are closely related to ideas, but they're concrete and specific, okay, instead of abstract like an idea. When I use the word images, I'm using actually Dallas Willard's concept of images, which are not entirely or only visual. So our English language, we use the word image most often to describe something visual. But then you get the idea of self-image. Is self-image visual or only visual? It's not. It's the way that you see yourself. So I want to use it in that concept, the way that you look at something concrete. It can include smells, for example. So uh, when Naomi went back to Mexico after many years having not been there, and she began to smell things that she hadn't smelled for a long time, it brought back to mind an experience that was very concrete, but also had behind it, and we'll talk about this, ideas. So images are concrete. They don't necessarily have to be visual. They can be auditory. They're sensual in nature. In other words, they involve the senses they are the way that we think about and perceive something that is concrete, generally speaking a noun. They often carry emotion with them. So when you experience the image, you, when you see it, when you smell it, you, you have an emotional reaction many times. These are images. Images are the packaging or the delivery mechanism of ideas. Music absolutely would fit into that category. The arts, all areas of art are images. Musical, as well as visual, as well as literary. 
Books will give you images. Poetry is designed, it's like abstract art. You know what abstract art is? It's not supposed to give you all the detailed outlines and everything. It's supposed to, it's supposed to communicate an image to your mind without giving you all the details. And poetry often does that as well. Okay, these are images and they're packages. If you think about a gift on your birthday, you got, you know, a ribbon and paper and you tear it open and you get open up the box. The gift is inside and images are the package that carry the ideas to us many, many times or reinforce the idea. And they are what makes ideas oftentimes appealing. How it's packaged makes it appealing. And especially because images tend to be sensual, they often appeal to our senses. Images are associated with specific ideas and so we call those symbols or icons. They're iconic or symbolic of the image that they carry with them. So we're going to look at a few images and they're, they're brokering ideas to you. That's their intent. Okay, so I want to show a few images. Let's do the word association thing here, image association with words, okay? So the picture of Barbie is intended to carry actually multiple ideas, right? Now, when Barbie first started out, Barbie carried the image of feminine beauty. But she, trans, she, she was transformed in the 60s and 70s into carrying ideas that were put forward for women's liberation and became the image of feminine success and beauty. That's why she drives a Corvette. You know Barbie drives a Corvette, right? So we have a biker here. What's, the, what's the, one of the first defining characteristics of a Harley Davidson? They're loud. Why are they loud? This is part of the image of tough. What do you wear? If you go onto, say, a BMW website to buy accessories, and you want to buy a riding suit from BMW, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a brightly colored one with reflective stripes. Now, when you go to a Harley shop, do you get a brightly colored riding suit with reflective stripes? Now, why do you get that from BMW? Safety, practicality, they're serious long travel bikes. They're, they're promoting an image of their product to you. What do you wear at Harley? Leather, not just any leather, black leather and a do-rag. You gotta have a do-rag, why is that? Because you don't wear a helmet. You're too tough to wear a helmet. What's this? So here, here's a hippie, and he's, and he's promoting his idea of peace, isn't he? That's the peace sign. We know that's the peace sign. He looks pretty stoned. What other ideas go along with being a hippie? Free love. Free love. No rules. No restraint. Okay. What's the overarching word that they might use for that? Freedom. This is an idea of freedom. Now, look at several things. You've got, you've got the glasses, the John Lennon glasses. You've got the headband. You've got the tie-dyed shirt. I mean, there's nothing wrong with round glasses. There's nothing wrong with wearing a headband or a tie-dyed shirt. But you understand that 
all of these are iconic images intended to bring to mind the idea of freedom. Why does a tie-dyed shirt bring to mind freedom, by the way? There's no lines. You can't color outside the lines in tie-dye. So we have the flag here. What, it, what is that image intended to carry? Freedom, loyalty, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Okay, in our national anthem, you've got the bombs bursting in the air, but the flag is still flying. We're, we're sticking it out, loyalty. Okay, what is the reason for burning a flag? You know, people have burned flags, right? It's a statement. It's an image carrying an idea. Why do they burn flags? Because the, the flag represented a system that they did not like, a governmental system. Around the same time that it was in vogue to, to burn flags, they also, women burned bras. Why did they do that? Because they, that was a, an image that carried the idea of restriction. And so burning the flag represented, it brought forth an idea of rebellion against the system. Burning a bra was exactly the same thing. Off with the restrictions. Okay, what's the, this is Dilbert, if you don't know. Dilbert brings an idea. Bosses are stupid. Companies are stupid. Corporate America is full of idiots. Do you know who the smartest person in Dilbert is? Ratbert, the dog. He comes in and he charges thousands of dollars an hour to be a consultant to the manager who's stupid in an attempt to take over the world, by the way. Okay, what's this image? Okay, so this is a cross. Sacrifice, Sacrifice love, the Christian message. See, Jesus was a master of using images to carry his ideas. That's what a parable was about. His followers picked up on that and they continued to use images. We get the little fish thing. I don't know if they actually used that back then or not, but we use it today because we say they used it back then. Um, they, they had images that carried ideas. What do we see here? This is a, a guy from uh, Toronto. So he's, instead of hair, he's got tattoos on his head. So he's got a, uh, what is that, a um, skull on one, oh, on both shoulders. Look, look at this here. He's got a big padlock. Bondage. Exactly. This man is full of images. Carrying many, many ideas. So this is, what, this is what images are. And so when we start talking about our need to filter what we're taking in, what I want you to realize is that there are strongholds that are set up in our mind as ideas and the, the way that those are delivered and made appealing to us is through the use of images. Now I took some extreme ones that are really obvious. We get our ideas from the society that we keep. We get our ideas from the images that we allow to operate in our world, in our life, in our personal world. We get our ideas from the people that we respect. 
many, many years ago, probably most of you children are too young to remember when I talked about heroes, about choosing your heroes wisely, because the ones that you highly esteem have direct access to your ideas. Do you realize that? The people that you esteem, you by your estimation, by you placing them in a lofty place, they have direct access to ideas. Maybe not everyone. They might put out an idea and you go, well, that's stupid. I'd never go along with that. But by your estimation of them, you're giving them access to certain areas of your idea life. And this is the basis for everything that you, every, that you perceive and interpret everything that occurs in your life. Those ideas are. Let me wrap it up with this one. Ideas and images are strongholds. Jesus addressed the primary images and ideas that oppress mankind, and these are what they are. Good. Good, if you take all of the ideas in the world out there, in the marketplace of ideas, as they say, they boil just a handful that, that everybody has to deal with. And one of those is what is good? Who is good? So Jesus put forward God as good. Value. Our value. What is value? What should we value? This is a basic idea, which ties into good, by the way. Just go through chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. You'll see idea after idea after idea being put forward by Jesus that will fit into some basic categories. So renewing the mind involves removing destructive images, destructive ideas, and replacing them with the images and ideas that are being put forward by God, primarily through Jesus Christ. He was the main means, according to Hebrews, that God has chosen today to communicate. What is he communicating? He's communicating ideas, and he is using the image of Jesus Christ to do that, and everything that Jesus represents. It results in a different value system, and yes, so we need a different value system, and so we do these things in order to obtain that. So this is why Paul, in, in Colossians, in chapter 2, he's saying, why have you submitted yourself to these things that have to do with the flesh, that, that go away with the using, these things that have to do with the elements of this world, the physical nature of things? These, he says in verse 23 of chapter 2, are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Therefore, therefore, he's, now he's talking about what he just said. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. This is the alternative to self-made, man-made religion and severe treatment of the body. Now, there is a place for the body, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks, but the first and foremost is understanding that it is the idea system that formulates our value system, and where we focus our mind determines the idea systems that we adopt. Next week, we'll try to actually flesh that out. We'll talk about uh, who had 
desires that he did not want to have. And, and the world has no option. The world has no option to deal with desires that everybody agrees are wrong. But the Bible has an option to deal with desires that everybody agrees are wrong. And it even instructs us about ones that not many people agree with are wrong, but God says are wrong. And we'll try to flesh some of this out. How do we do that? God, thank you for understanding our weakness and providing a means of dealing with that weakness through Jesus Christ. Help us as we seek your value system to come to terms with the ideas that we hold that are contrary to you, that are raised up against the knowledge of you. And I pray that you would help us to, to drive those out of our life, to tear down those strongholds and allow the mind of Christ to permeate our entire life. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening in today. Our vision at TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the church using the resources of the kingdom of God. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.